Do you ever want to dive deeper into the Bible, but you just don't know where to begin? Or struggle to feel like you even have the time? When you read the Bible, do you get frustrated because you know there's so much more in there? You just have no clue how to get it out? Or maybe you want to know the Bible better and you're looking for resources to help. Then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Context and Color of the Bible podcast. We're sisters, and I'm Veronica. I'm Erica. I'm older. I'm younger. (laughs) I'm middle. Yeah, she's middle. I'm the forgotten middle. Yes. Which I do think someone said it's middle child day. Oh, is it? Are you kidding? No, but then they said it's, but nobody cares because it's the middle (laughs) child. So I don't know if it's It's true. It's so funny. (laughs) All those middle children out there. Hey, I feel your pain. Yes. But we're here to help you understand the Bible better. And we're here... (laughs) She's still laughing at that. We're here to bring the context of scripture back because it adds to our understanding. And what we found is it's actually adding color to the black and white pages of the text. It makes the story come to life. Yes, it does. So that's kind of an awkward stop. (laughs) That was an awkward stop. Hopefully the music really. Yes, I'll get the music in there really good. Good job. But Erica, you wrapped us up last week on Acts 17. 16. Yep, 16. Mm -hmm. And today we're jumping into 17. Very good. So do you want to just... Just jump right in. Jump right in. So they leave the city of Philippi and they travel. Can you tell us who they is? Sorry. Paul, Silas, Timothy, and any entourage that has left with them. Thank you. You're welcome. And Paul goes through several different village cities and doesn't stop. Right. And we don't know why. But we do know there's no evidence of synagogues there. Okay. So he may still be getting over his last beating. <laughs> right. Not so quick to want to jump to another city. Or trying to figure out how am I going to approach this differently. Right. Because right. I did just leave Philippi and I got beaten. Right. And then when I tried before that in the marketplace, right. things don't go well. It doesn't go well. So they walk until they get to Thessalonica. Thessalonica is a Roman colony, but more diverse than Philippi. There is still a Jewish community there. Okay. And in 17 verse 2, it says, are you there? Yep. Veronica. It says, and Paul went in, as was his custom, or according to his usual practice, he went on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Right. I don't think Luke can make it any plainer than that. Wait, that Paul went to synagogue? Right. Amazing. Every Sabbath Paul was able, he spent in the synagogue. And when there was no synagogue, you can I can guarantee you, he still honored the Sabbath. Right. He would spend the day resting, worshiping, teaching, praying. This was his custom, the way he lived his life. So Paul goes into the synagogue over and over again. And some Jews are convinced. It goes on to tell us many God fears and even important women. I like how, and not a few. (laughs) Not a few. (laughs) There was a lot of them. Yes. And all of these people would have an understanding already of the scriptures, the Messiah concept, because they're part of a synagogue community. They're learning this. They're talking about this. So Paul and his group stayed a house of a Jewish believer named Jason. Mm -hmm. And according to 2 Thessalonians 3, Paul and his group paid their own way. They did not depend on just the generosity of their host 
or of the community. Right. They could have done a tent making trade. Maybe they did odds and ends around the house. In Philippians chapter four, Paul acknowledges that the assembly of Philippi sent him a gift Mm -hmm. while he was in Thessalonica. So maybe that money was used Mm -hmm. to go back. But the the rabbis were very big that they didn't want it to look like they were selling scriptures for money. Right. And so it was important to them that you pay your own way so you can't be bribed. You can't change the message to fit the amount of money you're making. Mm -hmm. And so Paul worked or he did something Mm -hmm. to help with. He raised funds. He raised (laughs) funds. Yeah. Maybe he did fundraising. Spaghetti feeds. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, those are yummy. So Paul um, is staying at the house with Jason and uh, good things are happening. But you said early on, Veronica, that there's always there's good and there's bad. Yes. As we've been following that kingdom, we've been watching people who accept the message of the kingdom. But we've also right away seen people who reject the message of the kingdom. And And Paul keeps encountering that wherever he goes. He's kind of a lightning rod. Yes. For attention. He's passionate. Wait, Paul gets passionate? I know. Shocking. I think that's becoming my new mantra for each. Passionate people are exciting people. Yeah. That's what I keep telling my husband. Passionate people are exciting. (laughs) Trust me. But there are Jews who believe. Mm -hmm. But then there are Jewish people who are envious and it's a ve- and they have a big disagreement, but it's a very nuanced disagreement within the Jewish community. Again, the Jews understand and know this idea of a resurrected Messiah. Right. A Messiah is coming. They actually believed, some of them, in two Messiahs, one who would die, a second one who would come and resurrect the first. Okay. So this idea of Jesus dying and being resurrected isn't completely far-fetched for them. Right. So they're willing to listen to that one. But again, you're bringing in these Gentiles, Paul. Right. You know, we're okay with God-fears because they know they're second-class citizens. They know their place and where they belong. And they've kind of been around for a while. Yes. They've learned... We're not shaking yes. up any status quo. Yes. We've gotten used to them. They've been here forever. Mm-hmm. It's these new Gentiles who know nothing. Right. That can cause some issues. And you're telling them they're as good as us. Right. That they are equal in the sight of God as we are. You know, we're the chosen people, Paul. Right. We're his sons, his daughters, his firstborn. And you're telling us these Gentiles have a right to claim relationship to our God, to claim this covenant that God made with our forefathers, Mm -hmm. and now they get to be a part of it? That's huge. Mm -hmm. And so they're angry, and they throw a fit. Sorry, I'm trying to... There's a lot in my notes. Right. Another part of this discussion that happened outside the city of Thessalonica... The Jewish people were expelled from Rome. So while the, so real quick, while Paul's in Thessalonica or coming to Thessalonica beforehand, we're at, we're switching storylines and going to something that's happening right. in Rome. Okay. I think this was actually a couple years ago by now okay. or a year ago. Okay. By now. Some time has passed. In time past, but very recent past. The Jewish people were expelled from Rome because of an argument they were having over Christos. Okay. And that would be the Greek word for Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, do they mean Jesus the Christ or do they mean another man who is claiming to be the Messiah? Because before, because making that connection, the Hebrew 
word Messiah is the Greek word Christos. Right. And before Jesus and after Jesus, there were men who claimed to be the Messiah. Yes. Jesus was not the only one who claimed right. that. So they were regularly encountering that, dealing with that, learning yes. how to search the scriptures to see, does this man line up with the Messiah? Yes. We know the Messiah is coming. And so we now have people in Rome, we'll say a year prior, and arguing over a man named Christos. Right. Someone claiming to be the Messiah. Right. To me, it makes sense that it was Jesus specifically they were arguing over, but I don't know. We right. just don't know. We don't have enough info. All we know is because of an argument over a man named Christos. But I think especially as word gets to Rome that Gentiles are allowed to come in as Gentiles, you would have Jewish people in the synagogue who maybe don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. Right. So don't believe these Gentiles have any right. standing in the covenant community because right. Jesus isn't the Messiah. And now you've got these Jewish members who don't agree with Gentiles coming in and you've got Roman citizens Roman officials breathing down their necks. You're taking Gentiles away from us. You're mm -hmm. disrupting the worship of the emperor. You're disrupting our holidays. You're disrupting our business transactions. You're disrupting our temple worship. We're losing these Gentiles to you Jews and we're not happy about it. And so these Jewish people are in kind of a no-win scenario mm -hmm. and they start battling it out between the two groups. The mm -hmm. Jews who do believe versus the Jews who don't believe in Jesus. And finally, the governor, the emperor of Rome's like, I'm done. Kick them all out. They can argue all they want outside of my city. Mm -hmm. And so they all have to leave Rome. And I think that's where Priscilla and Aquila actually left Rome Okay, at that point. And so you can imagine that really shook up the Jewish people all over the Roman Empire. Right. Because they're on shaky ground. The Romans tolerate them, but don't like them right. necessarily. And so now you've got them kicked out of Rome. What other cities are we going to get kicked out of? Right. And depending on who our le who the Roman leader is in that city, maybe right. he's a little more favorable. Maybe right. he's looking for a reason to get rid right. of us. That just gave motivation to yes. anyone who wants to cause issues and get rid right. of the Jews. And so that could be part of what's going on in some of these communities. Paul, we just got kicked out of Rome right. for arguing about this. And now you're bringing it here. Right. You're a troublemaker, Paul. We want nothing to do with you right. and your Gentiles. You know, most Jews at that time, especially you're content. You let Jews be Jews and yep. Gentiles be Gentiles. Yep. And now Paul is really shaking things up. We've all learned where we fit in the society yes. and it works well. Don't, yes. don't mess it up. Yes. And so they accuse Paul. Again, these Jewish people come and they take Paul and accuse him of um, teaching treason. These men have turned the whole world upside down and have come here too. And yes. Jason has let them stay in his home and all of them are defying the decrees of the emperor because they assert there is another King Jesus. Okay, that's a legitimate argument against Paul. Yes. <laughs> to claim. <laughs> that's a real one. <laughs> that's a real one. That could get, that will get Paul killed eventually. To claim you have no king but Caesar. Mm -hmm. I mean, to claim Jesus is king, right. not Caesar. That's treason. Right. And so they have a legit complaint against him and they want nothing to do with a potential rebellion. Like right. the city officials react exactly the way you would expect them to. We want nothing to do with this. Right. If this guy's causing issues like this, kick him out. Right. Well, they can't find him. Paul disappears. <laughs> I would too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> can't really blame him. 
So they grab Jason Mm -hmm. and some other believers who are known for hanging out with Paul and Silas and they take them to prison and they give him like a big talking down Mm -hmm. and they basically make Jason pay to get out. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a down payment on good faith that you will have nothing to do with Paul and Silas. And if we catch you having anything to do with Paul and Silas, we'll bring you back to prison and we're going to up how much you owe us. So right now, Paul, Jason, you paid us a hundred bucks. If we catch you with Paul and Silas, you will owe us a million. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what they're doing here. And so the obviously bond in verse nine. Yes. Paul and Silas don't want to cause issues. Sure. They're not, they're really not trying to cause unnecessary issues. Right. With what they're preaching and teaching, they already know they're causing issues. We're not looking to add. Right. Which is amazing for Paul. Right. And so they leave quietly. Mm -hmm. They probably meet with them quietly in some hidden room, bless them, pray with them, and they leave. Mm-hmm. But this has just made being a disciple of Jesus potentially illegal right? for Jason and the other believers. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and chapter 3, Paul acknowledges the suffering and the persecution these believers went through. So you've got this new group of believers and right away they're thrown to the lion's den. Mm-hmm. Like we see around the world with persecuted believers and it amazes me how they stand so strong mm-hmm. at that moment. But Paul and Silas leave in Timothy in their entourage, and they go probably in the middle of the night, 50 miles away to Berea. Okay. It's another Jewish community. Okay. Uh, Paul goes to the synagogue again in verses 10 through 12. And for whatever reason, the Jewish people in Berea are actually more open to Paul's teaching. Mm Mm-hmm. They search the scripture, which again means the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. They don't just take what Paul and Silas said and say, oh, that sounds great. We believe you. But they don't get angry at them either. They search the scripture. Is Paul teaching contrary to the word of God? Did they find confirmation in the first five books of Moses? What about the Psalms, the prophets? Do do Paul and Silas line up with what we know to be true? And the more they check, the more they find Paul is showing them things they didn't see before. Right. Truth that they had been missing. And they're amazed. This is, you know, maybe questions that the rabbis have been arguing over. Paul's got an answer to all of a sudden. And so this community starts to blossom. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, though, just not the Jews, likely God fears. Men and women, Gentiles are coming in and hearing the good news. But again, Veronica... <laughs> The kingdom of heaven moves and there's pushback with the kingdom of darkness. Which should just automatically remind all of us. When you get pushback, when you run into struggles, when you run into people fighting your Mm -hmm. message, that's normal. Right. Satan doesn't like. Right. The message of the kingdom getting out there. Right. All right. Keep going. Yeah, thanks. Well, unfortunately, Thessalonica and Berea are pretty close. They're only about 50 miles apart. So the communities know each other. Okay. And word gets back to the synagogue in Thessalonica. Hey, those guys you kicked out, they're in Berea now. And they're doing really well in Berea. And so a small but official delegation from that synagogue heads to Berea and says, oh, this guy's going to cause you so much trouble. <laughs> Trust me, don't listen to him. 
head just kick him out you know and maybe paul was hoping to go back to thessalonica let things calm down and then i can go back and encourage the believers there but like nope he realizes i can't it's too hot i've got to keep going but apparently somehow in berea paul and silas have maybe important people who believe their message and apparently they have a bigger support base in berea because they don't have to leave oh the Thessalonians stir up some trouble, but they don't all have to leave. Everybody decides, which cracks me up, that it's better for Paul to leave. <laughs> this guy causes issues. But Silas and Timothy stay. Okay. And so Paul and a few people with him, he doesn't leave by himself, but mm-hmm. Paul and a few people head out. But Timothy and Silas, who maybe aren't as argumentative, <laughs> you know, maybe a little more Fly behind under the, the radar. Scenes. Yeah. They're allowed to stay, but Paul travels to Athens Mm -hmm. and maybe, you know, he's teaching the disciples as they walk and they're talking. Uh, But in this area, there actually, Veronica, was a strong Jewish presence in Thessalonica until Hitler. Oh, wow. There was a very strong, solid Jewish population that um, only a few survived the Holocaust. But for 2,000 years, this Jewish community survived, and maybe partially because they were so passionate, zealous, Mm -hmm. diligent for the scriptures, for their identity, Mm -hmm. they survived until Hmm. they were killed. But now we get to Athens. And it gets interesting. It gets interesting again. Athens is fascinating. So it's been about 20 years since the death and resurrection of Jesus. Okay. That's where we're on the timeline. And in Athens, this is the center of the Hellenistic world. One of the three university cities, people traded in ideas. So science, math, art, poetry, history, eloquence, rhetoric, culture, philosophy. This was a world of academia. People, you know, you see people in the coffee shops just sitting and talking all day about <laughs> new ideas. Did they have coffee ideas. shops back then? Yeah, probably not, but that's a <laughs> in the marketplace. picture in the marketplace, yes. And there is a Jewish community here. Okay. Because there's a synagogue? Yes. All right. And as Paul walks around, you know, this is a big city. There's a lot of excitement, hustle and bustle. And Paul is walking around and he begins to notice besides the the buildings, the architecture, the beautiful temples, there are numerous gods and goddesses. These statues, idols, altars. Mm -hmm. There's pictures and paintings to Greek myths. The city history is getting explained all over the place. It was a beautiful city, Mm -hmm. but it was full of idolatry, world-famous works of art. One ancient writer actually said Athens had more than 3,000 statues. Wow. And another writer said it was easier to meet a god than a man in Athens. (laughs) Okay. It was filled with religion. So on the one hand, it's very academic. And usually academia and religion don't mix always the best. But you've got this interesting mix here. We're very academic and lofty, but we're very, very religious Mm -hmm. as well. You know, the story is told that at one point, Early in the city's history, there was a plague and people were dying and nobody knowed what to do, how to stop it. You know, what God have we offended? We don't know. So a man who was kind of considered a prophet let loose a hundred sheep. Some were black, some were white. And wherever the sheep laid down, they built an altar on that spot 
and, and sacrifice, sacrifice the, the sheep, sheep on that <laughs> altar. So you have a hundred altars just from that. Okay. Right there. And Paul is apparently, you know, walking around seeing all these altars because they've actually, they've added to them over the years. And it wasn't just good practice coming from their perspective. Mm -hmm. Who knows how many gods and goddesses are out there? Maybe there's a young one that's been born. Maybe there's a quiet one Mm -hmm. that doesn't show up a lot. Maybe there's an unpopular one that gets ignored and they're not happy Mm -hmm. and just decides to punish your city. So let's just play it safe. Cover our bases. And we'll just make sure if there's a God out there, we're going to honor that honor God. That God. Mm-hmm. So they actually have a few altars around for spare gods. <laughs> In case you think of one, we'll just build an altar <laughs> right. and wait. We're covered. Right. We're good. But again, Paul first goes to the synagogues mm-hmm. and he talks to the Jews and the God fears. And there actually are Gentiles who are monotheists in the city. And they were probably looked down upon okay. and harassed mercilessly. But Paul found an audience in Athens in the synagogue, people willing to listen to him. But he also wants to speak to the pagans. Paul can't get that calling out of his heart. <laughs> so he heads to the marketplace. Right. Now, maybe he worked his tent maker trade. Maybe he was just walking around. But to be honest, Paul was a bit out of his league. Okay. I don't know about you, Veronica, but growing up, I had this idea of Paul that, number one, he led the church. Right. We've talked about that before. And number two, that he was brilliant in his arguments and understanding and in a Hebrew culture, mm-hmm. he was. Right. But in a completely Greek pagan culture, he was out of his league. Okay. He could interact with it. Mm-hmm. He had been trained enough to interact with it. But he And he was, was trained as one of the best. So Right. But he was he was incredibly el- well educated. Mm-hmm. But he was still a Jewish man okay. from a small province. And Athens was the big league. Okay. His Greek was rustic, probably had an accent. You know, people that read Greek will actually tell you Paul's Greek wasn't the best when they read it in the scriptures. And he hadn't really been trained completely in Greek philosophy. He knew a little bit. Okay. So that he knew some of what he needed to say, but... these were intellectual elites this is what they did all day long right so what you could say is because we've kind of set paul up is he was trained to go to the gentiles and he was but that's like the farmers you're now going to the best of the best yes of the greeks so we could have trained you but you haven't had enough training Mm -hmm. specializing you haven't specialized in this area Would that be a better better way of saying it? These were the ones who specialized. And Paul, we didn't train you that deep. Yes. These were the movers and shakers of the philosophical world. And Paul doesn't hang with them well. But he hasn't been trained. Right. You know, he's trained to talk to the basic man on the street, not to the... And I'm trying to think of a good example in our day. Who are the movers and shakers? These are the intellectual. I have no idea. I don't know either. We'll just say these are the specialists. Right. So Paul goes, but they're like, and they eventually say, I think it's in verse 
16. They're like, what is this babbler talking about? Verse 18. Verse 18. What does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Yeah, so he's walking through the marketplace, you know, these idols are everywhere, and he's talking to them, trying to engage people in conversation, and they're like, what? <laughs> they, they don't even understand what he's saying or what he's trying to say. Because it's so elementary. It's so elementary to them. And what he's trying to explain is so out of their league, mm -hmm. a resurrection, sin, mm -hmm. The God of Israel, one God. They're speaking two different languages. Yes, they're all speaking Greek, but very different. The Greek is Greek to them. Yes. So they decide they need to hear him out. Okay. And there are different groups in Athens, but I think we'll jump into that next week. Okay, that works because you're wanting to save it for next week because it is a bigger discussion. Right. It's not a quick two minute. It's a fun. Okay. Yeah. So that's the teaser. Come, Come back, back next, next week. week to see how Paul does as he's hanging around these, we'll call them specialists, and he's out of his league. Yes. How he does, what they question him on. And how does it end? Yes. Because the first time it did not go well when Paul tried to speak directly right? to a pagan society. Right. So this is the context and color of the Bible podcast. We are available wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we also have our Facebook page, The Context and Color of the Bible. We have an Instagram page. As always, you can find Erica's website. But we'd love for you to join us next week to see what happens. Bye-bye.